1: The early signing period is come and gone, and of course, there was always some drama that was going to happen. A lot of signing day flips, surprises, and of course, there are winners and there are losers on that signing day. Hello, I'm Brandon Marcello. You're listening to the College Football Daily. We're going to bring in 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivans, who does a great job, obviously, but every signing day manages to go in and... Pick those winners and losers and break it all down. Now, of course, I'll, I'll preface it with this. Just because you're a loser on signing day doesn't mean your class is a loser overall. It just means that your signing day didn't quite go as well as you would hope. So, Andrew, first, I want to ask, how many text messages did you receive on Wednesday? I want to know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. In, in the dozens, tons of direct messages, you know, you're sitting there on set. It just doesn't stop. I've woken up Thursday morning to a ton of hate mail (laughs) from some 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 of the people I have as losers. So it's it's just that time of the year, and I think let me guess,
1: Miami fans.
0: Yeah, you brought up a good point, right? This is signing day, as in the day. Not taken away from anyone's class or anything like that. The way we approach the story, and you know, this is me being tasked with it after eight hours on camera. Was hey, who who came into the day? Feeling like this was going to happen, uh, and then it didn't happen, or 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 you know something fell one way it wasn't supposed to. So that's the winners and losers aspect, and and things have already changed since since Wednesday. I mean, some kids that we weren't sure if they're going to sign, they've they've signed
1: and 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 whatnot. Well, I wanted to start with a couple of winners here. I'm going to start with I thought to me was a big story of the day was Oregon. Just all the flips they had, making some big splashes for kids that were undecided at the point at that point. The Ducks at one point. On Wednesday, we're ranked, I think, number 14 in the nation. And they jumped up to number seven as we record this on a Thursday morning. How did Dan Lanning and co. get this done? Also, managed to win the sweepstakes to land guys like Mateo Uyangalele, the little brother of DJ got
0: First, I got to give... Steve Wiltfong some credit here because a week before signing day, he wrote, win or lose, Oregon is the most exciting team heading into the early signing period. Steve nailed that one on the head. I mean, Oregon got things going early in the morning by flipping quarterback Austin Novasad from Baylor. And for those unfamiliar with Novasad, he's an Elite 11 finalist. More importantly, he's a kid that Ohio State, Notre Dame, a bunch of schools kind of kicked the tires on back in the summer months, but he decides to stay with Baylor, right? Fast forward to signing day, really the week before signing day, Oregon realizes that they're going to lose Dante Moore, our number three quarterback, and they quickly pivot to Novosad, sneak him in for an official visit, and they complete that flip. So he got things going, and and then after that, it was kind of game on for Dan Lanning, who cut his teeth recruiting In the SEC, you know, he's gone out to Eugene, we kind of wondered how he would do with his fit. And we should point out that Mario Cristobal recruited nationally when he was at Oregon. But it seems like Dan Lanning is has, you know, taken what he learned under Kirby Smart and applied it. To Oregon, I mean, you mentioned Mateo, who also goes by Young Concrete. That's his nickname. That was a big win. There was a ton of USC buzz the night before coming from our guys, Greg Biggins and and Brandon Huffman, so they get him done uh, and, and signed, sealed, and delivered. Dalen Austin, a corner out of Long Beach Poly, storied high school program. When we were watching the corners, I, I love this guy. You know, he's long. He's He's got good instincts, aggressive at the catch points, so they get him in the boat. And um, Jaden Lamar, a-, a running back that was committed to Notre Dame, and they almost got Peyton Bowens. They almost won that sweepstakes. But as we're taping this, it looks like Peyton Bowen who's one of the top players in Texas. He was a longtime Notre Dame commit out of nowhere. We, we knew he had to make it a decision, and, and, and everyone thought it was going to be Oklahoma. He announces for Oregon, goes to sleep, wakes up on Thursday morning, and now it sounds like he's going to sign with the Sooners. He committed but still.
1: to the wrong UO. He, thought he was
0: committed to the other UO. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. I mean, but it it was just a, a great day for Oregon and, you know, they made they made everyone forget about losing Dante Moore, which is pretty hard to do. I, I think without a doubt, they're the story of the day.
1: Yeah, it's quite incredible what 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 Dan Lanning's doing there and obviously is positioning Oregon in a spot now with USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 to be the program as far as just talent out west. There's no doubt. OK, another winner. I mean, obviously, number one, Alabama. I'm, lo- I'm looking at it by the 24-7 sports composite numbers. This is the second best class they've ever signed under Nick Saban. Potentially could end up being number one. I think they're only like a just slight percentage point behind, I think, the 2020 class for them. The only non-blue chip, we talk about blue chip ratio, four and five stars. The only non-blue chip is, of course, a kicker, uh, yeah. a three-star, which, you know, we don't give kickers four stars. So... We didn't talk a lot about Alabama really yesterday, other than a couple of couple of big time kids. That I guess we just kind of get lulled to sleep with Alabama at, t- at times, don't we, with all the success they have on the recruiting trail.
0: Well, Brandon, I am going to point out that kicker was, I think, fifteen of seventeen as a senior and hit from fifty one yards. So when he's on the <laughs> in, in an SEC game hitting a big kick, remember that that was their twenty seventh guy, uh, and he's pretty good. Our number two ranked kicker. No, you, you're right. We you, you kind of fall asleep. we think about Alabama, and they're a winner because they closed with the, I think we call them the Carver couple, the Montgomery duo, James Smith and and Quay Russo. I mean, these were two of the most coveted pass rushers in the country. And I remember being at Florida's Friday Night Lights camp uh, back in uh, July. Both those guys were there getting all the attention from Florida staff. I remember them being down at Miami, getting all the attention from Miami staff. Heck, they took a unofficial visits, Alabama State, Auburn, had him on campus plenty of times. Georgia was in there for a little bit. LSU. I mean, you name it. They recruited these kids, and I always thought they were going to go to Alabama. But still, you, you got to get them uh, across the finish line, right? They, like that's when it counts. Um, and Alabama closed with those two, and we'll see how things shake out. I called it yesterday on the twenty four seven Sports recruiting show. I said, "Hey guys, I, I'm I'm calling the race like it's an election. Alabama's going to have the number one class, and that means Nick Saban ha- will have his tenth top ranked class in the past thirty." Years, which is just crazy Same. to think about, because I mean, we were wondering, hey, is this is this is this coming to an end? And, and then he goes out and does this. And I've been saying it on, on all the airwaves, like I think some of the guys they signed will will make an impact there in in twenty twenty three, and they need to because the roster has some holes in
1: it. Who do you think makes an impact for Bama next year?
0: I think Caleb Downs, our number one ranked safety. He's the safest prospect, I think, in the class of 2023 in in terms of how high his floor is. And it's difficult for freshman defensive backs to get on the field, but it's been done in the past. And I think Caleb is so intelligent. I I think the reason why Bama won out, because he he knows he can learn from Nick Saban. So that's one guy. And then I'll give you another, Caden Proctor, the the five-star offensive lineman they flipped from Iowa, uh, on Tuesday. We thought that was going to happen Wednesday. Happens Tuesday. But Alabama is only going to return two starters, and, and okay. one of them is kind of a part-time starter on the O-line. So Caden Proctor is going to have to play, and that would put him in, in pretty rare company. I think only three offensive linemen have started as true freshmen, Cam Robinson, Jonah Williams, and Evan Neal. All three of those guys are playing on Sundays. All of them were selected in the top 64 picks. So if Proctor plays, Look for him. look for him to be walking across the stage
1: one day. All right, let's get some people mad. All right, losers. You got Miami on there. What's the deal? What's wrong with you, Andrew? How dare you?
0: Look, I mean, there was no indication that Cormani McClain was wavering in the 72-hour stretch coming into that signing day. But there was definitely a sense of panic in Coral Gables. And I'm not trying to take away from the group that Miami and Mario Cristobal assembled. It's a very, very talented recruiting class. It's number four in the country. The teams in front of them, Alabama. Uh, in Georgia, who both have played for national titles recently, and then Texas, who is transitioning into the SEC and has Arch Manning, the most popular recruit ever signed and, and committed, and kids want to play with him. So it, it's it's been a great group. But Cormani McLean, it, it, you know, there was talk of him visiting Alabama a few weeks ago. He, he shot those down. He, he didn't visit anywhere. But this recruitment has just been a whirlwind. I mean, I remember when he announced in October. I was up in Lakeland at that ceremony. We all thought he was going to Florida and he gets up on the stage and throws up the U and puts on a Miami hat. I'm like, is this real? Like I, I thought yeah. he was gonna throw it again and we didn't even have the cameras for CBS Sports HQ rolling. I had to make him redo the announcement ceremony. So we'll see what happens. But certainly Miami, you know, woke up in the morning thinking that they were gonna get the the number nine player. In the country or or announce him as a signee, and they went to sleep and he wasn't signed. And there's been talk and Steve Wilfong reported that Colorado's been in contact. I think Alabama, they need a corner. I think they've been sniffing around as well. I heard they were in the school two weeks ago. So we'll see. I mean, again, not trying to take away from what Miami did in terms of that entire cycle, but you know, there there was only Two committed prospects inside our top 32. That's that five-star range that that didn't sign on Wednesday. One was Cormani McLean, and the other was David Hicks, who's committed to Texas A&M. And he said from the jump that he was signing on Friday, that final day of the signing period.
1: Miami, at one point, was number three, dropped dropped to number four as other teams made moves. All right, also another loser for you, and this is what I thought was the big loser of the day in my eyes, was Ohio State.
0: Yeah, and and Ohio State, it's, it's been a rough, I would say, go of of December for them. They, they yeah. desperately needed an elite pass rusher and they got Joshua Mickens, a, a top two, four, seven kid out of Indianapolis committed, but go back to last week. They lose out on Keon Keeley, our, our number one ranked uh, edge rusher who who's headed to Alabama. Right. And then there was two, two more bullets in, in the chamber on Wednesday, Damon Wilson, you know, that was a possibility for them. And they lose him to Georgia. I mean, Ohio State fought in that recruitment so hard and, and Damon really liked Larry Johnson, visited multiple times, both unofficially and of course the official. So they lose out on him. And I think he's a guy that could have had a, a Chase Young type of impact for them. He's a pure pass rusher. So that one stings. And then Mateo, young concrete, you know, he's another guy that they were in on and they miss out on on those two. So that 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 certainly Stings, right? And then Ohio State loses top two four-seven cornerback Kn Lee to Auburn. And 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 was a longtime commit, had committed back in the summer months. I, I think his style of play was perfect for the Big Ten. I call him a lunch pail type of cornerback. I think he's a guy that you can put in the boundary, you can put him on the inside, and he, he's physical enough where he's not afraid to hit a 225-pound running back in the slot. So that stung and, and I, I will say when that article was published, we didn't know what Jaden Bonsu was going to do. Uh, another one of their safety commits, he ended up just now signing with Ohio State. So at least they got him. But yeah, wasn't the day that I, I think Ryan Day and co. wanted. And, you know, we still really like a lot of stuff they have in their class as well.
1: Much more on the winners and losers from Signing Day with Andrew Ivans after this. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's move back over to the winners. You mentioned a kid that flew from Ohio State to Auburn. Hugh Freeze coming into Auburn, needing to do some drastic work on the recruiting trail, considering where things were with Brian Harson. A lot of roads need to be paved. A lot of bridges need to be repaired in the recruiting space there, especially in the state. Hugh Freeze getting off to a really good start skyrocketing up the rankings over these last two to three weeks. Right now, as we record this on a Thursday morning, they're number 19 in the 24-7 sports composite. I want to be truthful with you and honest with you. I'm very familiar with Auburn. I covered them for seven or eight years. To see what Hugh Freeze was able to do, considering where the spot they're in, not to say it was a miracle, but man, I don't think it could have gone any better for them in these last two weeks.
0: I agree. And Keldrick Falk is the big present under the tree. I mean, when word started to leak that he showed up at Florida State over the weekend, that final visit weekend, I think it was an unofficial. He was in Tallahassee, and then all of a sudden, Mama wanted to stop on the Plains you thought that Auburn had a shot and sure enough, they flip him. I mean, he is a player at a premium position and you know, Brandon, Auburn's going to lose to some good edge rushers. So Keldrick mm-hmm. Falk is a guy that could come in and play early. He's probably one of the bigger snubs for my freaks list. I, I wish I had him on there was playing some offense. I mean, he's 240 pounds playing like wildcat quarterback there uh, at Highland home and the yellow state. So that's a, that's a big win. I also think Kay and Lee kind of fits what Auburn? How should I say this? Like when I think an Auburn DB, I, I think a physical guy that's going to use his hands, and like Kay and Lee is that, and you know he's kind of like Keontre uh, Smith, the guy that they got out of junior college last year. So I, I like that. They also held on to some individuals, Wilkie Dnod, a kid out of Florida, had a really good senior season, and and has some upside. Indiana was trying to make a lake push that they stiff arm them and you know there was some other stuff they did over the weekend. They also got a, a junior college offensive tackle. We know they need help at, at tackle. So it was a good week, or excuse me, it was a good signing day for Hugh Freeze. And I think it's a good sign of what's to come. I I don't think Brian Harson would have finished like that.
1: The last time team, team I wanted to bring up is Texas. They're making moves with the Sark in the water, hunting on the recruiting trail in the top five and I think we're all just waiting to see them win on the field, but man, they're getting the talent, aren't they?
0: They are. And did you see Tisulia Kana announce for Texas? That was I the, didn't. <laughs> that was it. that was the big win for them. Top two, four-seven pass rusher, borderline five-star prospect for us. Some guy we've talked about at length. And and we'll see how the rankings shake out following all-star season I me mean, sitting right there number 34 if, if you're 32 you're a five-star for us that reflects yep. the first round draft picks guy I've been comparing uh all day to Jalen Phillips former UCLA Bruin so he's he's a big deal and he announced in his home state of Hawaii with like this picturesque background. So that was a big win. They also held on to signatures from Cedric Baxter Jr. Florida State was kind of involved there late. They also held on to a signature from Derek Williams, a, a top 100 safety out of Louisiana. I mean, usually, Louisiana animals end up going to LSU. That's kind of the rule of thumb. So you got to wait until yeah. that that last second. And then Arch Manning, I mean, him signing in itself is is kind of a big deal. There's a reason why Alabama In Georgia and a few of these other schools waited to see what Arch was going to do in his recruitment before they pivoted to other arms because Arch is the number one player in the country for a reason. So Texas, number three, you also look forward to what's next. I mean, they're headed to the SEC in in what, 2024? They're number three right now in the rankings. The two teams in front of them are Alabama and Georgia. They're going to have to start playing those guys a lot. And then you also take into consideration that last year they signed the number five class in the country, and a lot of those kids played. So good day for Texas. And the final thing I'll say on Akana, whose sister plays volleyball at UT. Cool little connection there. A lot of people thought he was going to Oklahoma. So Texas also stole that kid from a rival, and a big one right there in
1: the fourth quarter in the red zone. So what is next? Of course, there's still a big quote-unquote Typical signing day in February, but that's kind of become an afterthought. What kind of movement are we going to see? What's still out there for these teams? Transfer portal.
0: (laughs) Yep. Cooper Patagna, my my sidekick. We came into... Wednesday with roughly 93% of the top 247 committed. I haven't ran the numbers yet. Uh, I'll be honest. It was it was a long Wednesday, but I mean, a good chunk of these guys are signed. And yes, there are a few big names that are still on the market. You have the freakiest athlete in the class. That's Nicholas Harbor. I thought there was a chance yeah. maybe Maryland would, would sneak in there. I don't know if you, you've heard the same, but I like Maryland there. I thought Mike Loxley might be able to twist the kid's arm and get it done. Yeah. And who knows? So that's, that's one big name. Then you got Deuce Robinson, tight end, Georgia, Oregon, USC. Everyone's been involved. Texas has been involved in that. He's going to decide in February. Baseball is a factor with him. He's one of three Under Armour All-Americans in both football and baseball. The other two are Kyler Murray, who's obviously playing on Sundays, and AJ Brown, who is also playing on Sunday. So he's a big time talent. But really, I, I, I think a lot of schools are going to turn their focus towards the 2024 cycle, but the transfer portal is going to be the big focus. And, and there's going to be some some big battles. And, and there has been big battles in, in the transfer portal. People just haven't realized it because we've been so trained to lock our eyes into high school recruiting. And the way I look at it, High school recruiting, that's the NFL draft, right? Transfer yeah. portal, that's free agency. So a lot of people are going to be battling for these free agents. I think we're going to see an influx of guys enter the portal after these bowl games and these college football playoff runs. And then right. it's just going to be chaos there uh, in January. Everyone fighting to get what they think could be uh, the one individual that that pushes them over the edge.
1: The window here for the transfer portal, if you guys aren't familiar... Started December 5th, goes through January 19th. So as Andrew just said, these bowl games start being complete, game complete here. You're going to see more names that are in the portal and some more battles there, especially among teams that are looking for quarterbacks right now that maybe have, been, have not been able to get guys or been involved with some of these top-tier quarterbacks who have been in the portal. So a, a lot of movement to come, and it's going to be fast and furious, I would say, that week after the national championship game. When they, all the coaches and everybody get back from the coaches' convention and the season's completely over, it's going to be a madhouse. So a lot of stuff to follow. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate the insight and intel. Of course, I'm
0: public at enemy number one down in South Florida right now. So just trying to enjoy the holidays.
1: We'll <laughs> let Mario see you for a couple of days, but he'll forgive you. He'll be here. For Lance Glenn, our producer, I'm Brendan Marcello. This has been the College Football Daily. We'll see you down the road.